<laughs> Why did you hear it? I heard the seagull. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I couldn't start because I knew I heard it. <laughs> Good job. Okay, ready? <laughs> you have a throat seagull. <laughs> it's a talent and a curse. <laughs> Every yeah. Mormon is born with a throat seagull. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Welcome to Straight from the Muzzle, folks, where we are anything but straight. My name is Space. And I'm Sparrow. And I'm sorry, who the hell are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So usually we introduce our show with what topic we're going over, but I'm going to be selfish here for a second and explain this. So I'm sure Space is sick of me doing this by now, but over what the the How many times is this now? We've known each other for, what, five years now? Yep. And I've changed my name. This is the third time. Yep. yep. Yes. Yep. So originally, when we did for media, uh, my name on the show was Moths. And I just rolled with it because my username is Mothsicles, and people shortened it and called me Moths, even though I never stated that that was my name. So it's almost like the fandom chose my name for me. Yeah. And I I wasn't really chill with that. So when we started straight from the muzzle, I was like, hey, can we go by my fursona's name? And you were like, sure. So at the time, my fursona was Rory and she was my only fursona. And then not long after that, I changed to having two fursonas, one that was my ideal self and one that was my actual self. And my actual self fursona became being the bear, which is what you guys are used to. Yep. But I'm changing Bean's name <laughs> to Sparrow. Again. <laughs> yeah. So it's not that my persona changed. She's still the same bear. Her design did change a little bit. I added some brown to her just to make her a little more interesting than a plain white bear. Um, and I changed her name to Sparrow. And the reason for this is mainly because I think Bean is a super cute name for the character on its own. But whenever people called me Bean in person, I didn't really like it. It didn't feel right. It almost felt like people were calling me, they're like, ooh, ooh, small bean. You know, it, it just, I don't know. It didn't really suit me. Yeah. And so I mulled over some names for a while and I, I changed her uh, her ref sheet and I changed her name on the ref sheet to Sparrow. And I was like, I'm just going to keep this on my phone for a bit. And see if it feels right and not change it officially until I am sure. And a couple of days ago, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to go with it. Because Art Fight is coming up and I'm going to have to make a character sheet and upload her reference. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go with the final name, Sparrow. It shouldn't change again. (laughs) Wait, what's Art Fight? Art Fight. Art Fight is a yearly um, event that happens every July. For one month where you get put on one of two teams and you upload some references and images of your different characters and people will draw your character as a way to attack you to gain points for their team. So you basically draw art for people on the opposite team as you in order to gain points for your team. What? And at the end of July, you see which team wins for which team drew the most art. So it's basically a way to get free art of your OCs, but you also have to draw art for other people too. Does it have to be good art? No. So I could do like stick figures of their crappy. <laughs> <laughs> I, you 
what to like would be people, the not, people might not attack you if they see just stick figures but because one of the main etiquettes is if somebody attacks you and they're on the opposite team it's polite for you to attack them back right <laughs> wow okay good way for to advertise me on there i'm on art fight my username on there is mothsicles so if you want to fight Come over there and fight me, scrubs. <laughs> I might just fight you back. Kind of want to. I kind of want to just watch this to see what happens. It's really fun. I'll, I'll send you some updates. <laughs> um. So, as a kind of like a median between Bean and Sparrow, I've told Sparrow that I will probably end up calling her Barrow in in the middle there. Yeah. Just because it kind of works between her being a bear and Sparrow, and it just it's cute. But it is a cute nickname. Yeah, but I won't call her that all the time. <laughs> and and if can... you accidentally call me Bean, that's okay. It's going to take some getting used to. I know there was some back and forth the last time I changed my name, but hey, that's life. You know, I've also grown and changed a lot as a person, so I was like, I think, I think this change is a good one for myself. Well, and if you guys also know that, like, as we evolve, like, or as we get older and stuff, so do our personas. We're constantly changing things about them. And so this is just typical of changing your persona or evolving your character. This is just part of it. I don't think there's ever really, like, like, is space always going to be the same looking space right now? Probably not. I'm probably going to do something to him. I don't know. In a couple of years. You changed him a couple months ago. You put a little unicorn marking on his back. <laughs> Hell yeah, I did. <laughs> I give him a, like a rainbow unicorn on the back. And then he's got like purple, blue and pink like hair now on top. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So you got that going for himself. So who knows what he's going to be next. And I'll probably mm-hmm. be person later who knows next time i see you in person i should edit your first suit to have the rainbow hair oh that would be sweet <laughs> that would be so cool or if i could just have like magnet like hair that i could just like change the colors out that would be yeah cool. that'd be cool that'd be cool but yeah um so just know that every time i hear you say sparrow i'm probably gonna think of captain jack sparrow i'm gonna think <laughs> of a dude every time i hear you oh good yeah so and that's cool because i i like captain jack sparrow I haven't seen those movies in a long time. Uh, Neither have I, but I kind of want to watch them now. I love pirates. Anyways, what's our topic (laughs) about today? (laughs) Today, we are going to go over public suiting 101. COVID is starting to chill out a bit and conventions are starting to open up. People who ordered fursuits at the beginning of quarantine have had them and haven't been able to wear them out. So we thought it was a good time to go over this topic. And a bunch of people have gone over it, sure. But we haven't. So fuck you. <laughs> so this was actually um, an e- an email, I believe, yeah. that someone had asked us to... Or a topic that someone had actually asked us to do. And... I'm going to get back to it because I have to figure out who sent it to me. (laughs) You got to go hunt it down. So let's talk about public suiting versus conventions and the differences between the two while I hunt down who sent it 
so I can give yes. them a shout out. So there is a huge difference between going public suiting and fursuiting at a convention. If you're going to a furry convention and you're suiting, you are not the only fursuiter there. And the people that aren't in fursuits, they know what fursuits are. They expect them to be there and they understand the mannerisms behind fursuits. So when you're fursuiting at a furry convention, for example, not many people are going to be bothered, let's say, if you take your hat off to take a sip of water in the middle of the lobby. Or if you are running around like a crazy person rolling around on the floor like a dog. You know, that's not going to be as weird to those who are there because they are expecting it. If you're first sitting at an anime convention, while it's not furry based, most people there are at least aware of what a fursuit is. So even then, it's not as weird to see... Joe Schmo the dog running around with, I don't know, Iron Man. <laughs> but right. if you go public suiting, there are there there are no people dressed up. There are no other furries. There are no other cosplayers. It's just you and normies. So the expectations that are going to arise between you being at a con and you being in a public space are going to be very, very different. I'm still looking. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm getting there. Oh my gosh. No, you're good. So what are the ideal places that we would assume that you would go public suiting at? All right. So I have a few listed out that are ideal situations. And I've been to almost all of these personally as a fursuiter. I've been in the fandom for over five, no, over 10 years. My bad. <laughs> I've been in this fandom for over 10 years and I've been fursuiting for a very long time. So, uh, the different events that I thought of are just public events in general and festivals. So there are things like Renaissance festivals, local art festivals, events like public trick or treating or Halloween parades or pride events. Those are public events and festivals. Mm. Local part. What the hell was that? I was just responding to the way you, the way you said it. Pride events. I was about you... to burp. That's why oh. I said pride. <laughs> okay. I was okay. trying not to burp. <laughs> okay. Well, just say it. Then there are other public places like any outdoor public space. Emphasis on public. You don't want to be on private property. You don't want to get your ass shot. So public spaces and local parks. I have seen fursuiters go to outdoor places like this, especially local parks, just to take fursuit photos. And you're usually completely allowed to do this. They are public areas and they don't belong to just one individual person or family. Then there are fur meets or any other friend group hangouts that you have. I know you have your art events. Is it at a bar or at a coffee shop? Ours? Yeah. <clears throat> uh it's kind of both kind of sometimes both. um so we just had a bar event uh last friday it's called fluff and it takes place at a gay bar called triangles which is really cool um and it's an adult one obviously because it's at a bar but it's a really cool event a lot of people come there was a lot of fursuiters there it was actually one really unique fursuiter that i saw and i posted it on our twitter <clears throat> so there's that that you can go to, but yeah. 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 So that's considered like a fur meet. Um, some people will go to fur meets at like bowling alleys or, or other places like that, or just your general friend groups. If you have a lot of friends who fursuit, like I do, just going to hang out, maybe make some TikToks, just run around, take photos, you know, things like that. 
And then there are very specific venues such as, you know, arcades, bowling alleys, zoos, bars like Space said. But with those venues, you have to get permission from the owners of uh, the business because those are businesses and they are privately owned. You have to get permission. Yes. So with permissions, uh, let's talk about the big three of public suiting. Permissions, health, and safety. Yes. God, these are so important to keep in mind when public fursuiting. Let's start with permissions because I just talked about that with specific venues. When you're going to be going to a privately owned business to do fursuiting, you have to keep in mind where are you going to be fursuiting. Is it going to be outdoors? Is it going to be indoors? Is it both? Will there be a lot of people there? Just a few? Just your friends? Did you rent the space out? If it is an indoor-outdoor kind of venue, you have to check your state's mask laws. And honestly, this is good no matter where you are public suiting. Even if you get permission from a venue, check your mask laws because you never know if you're walking back to your car and you're I'm wearing... i sorry, what was that? Mask laws? Mask laws? Mask laws. Oh, mask laws. <laughs> I'm like, what the yeah. hell are you talking about? Mask laws. So, it's so stupid. <laughs> if you're walking back to your car and you're a giant dragon and a cop, you know, pulls up next to you like, hey, bud, what are you doing? You need to know your laws just in case they try to, oh, I don't know, kill you. <laughs> you wow. know how it'd be. I don't know. If you were a giant dragon walking down the street and you were a cop, how would you feel? <laughs> She's Louise. I'm just joking. Anyway, maybe not. A cap. Anyways, so. <laughs> Damn. A <laughs> cap. Wow. Girl. But you have to know your mask laws. In Georgia, there are specific laws against wearing masks or anything that covers your face in public. So if you go to a grocery store and your face is covered, uh, that venue can legally tell you, hey, you need to take that off. Obviously, with COVID, it's a little different now. But back in the day, before the COVID, mask laws were a lot stricter because you can't have your face hidden under cameras in case you commit some kind of crime and they need your information. So check your local mask laws. You do that just by Googling your state and then mask laws next to it, and you'll get plenty of websites that can give you the resources that you need. But just to go over how to get permission to fursuit at specific places, if it's just you by yourself and it's somewhere, let's say, like a Walmart, <laughs> you might have a hard time. Good luck. They have, yeah, they have a lot more things to worry about than answering an email for somebody wanting to fursuit at a Walmart for no reason. But if it's somewhere like a bar or some kind of festival or uh, a bowling alley, you will have an easier time with those venues, especially if you have friends coming because you can set it up as an event. You can pay those venues to rent out, let's say, like a bowling alley. You can rent out a lane. They want your money. Therefore, they're more likely to give you that permission. Usually, you have to email or call a venue ahead of time, and you just kind of have to explain 
what you're about. What are you doing? You don't have to use the word fursuiting if you're uncomfortable with that. You can use mascotting. You can use cosplaying, things of that nature. But having some photos helps. Having some photos of your costumes, especially if you have photos of you already public suiting, let's say at like a charity event, there's kids around or whatever. Um, that helps a lot as well. So making sure you call ahead, email ahead, get that permission before you go. And if you can print out that permission, just in case you do have a cop approach you or anything like that, then you have that on hand. All right. So now that we've talked about how to get your permissions and getting all that settled, let's talk about the health aspect of public suiting, making sure you are going to be physically okay before, during, and after your public suiting session. Now, this part is especially important because this is literally going to save you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not life or death, but it is definitely going to save you. But it'll make it enjoyable. Um, like, if you feel like garbage, you're not going to have a good time. Well, and one thing, too, that I also just kind of thought about, um, when preparing to go to a first shooting event, you kind of want to know what's going to happen like weather wise for that day. Oh yeah. So if you know, it's going to be a particularly hot day, um, things you want to maybe just consider, you might want to take a shower, be clean, have a good meal, drink at least a glass of water. Now that's eight ounces of water. I would recommend at least 16 ounces of water. Yeah. Be advised, though, that if you're drinking water and it's not particularly a hot day, you are going to most likely want to pee frequently. <laughs> but if it's hotter on that day, your body's going to use that water more and more. You're going to sweat. So it's important to stay as hydrated as you possibly can. So and that's a great point because I, I'm a type 1 diabetic and we usually have to pee every hour and a half, two hours. But when I go to pub, when I'm public suiting or if I'm at a convention, a lot of the times if I'm wearing my fursuit, I can wear that sucker for four or five hours without having to go to the bathroom, even though I take a break usually every hour to get some water in the headless lounge. Why? Because I'm sweating, sweating yeah. a lot. So, but it is important to keep that in mind too. If you do think you're going to have to use the restroom, make sure you know where the restroom is wherever you are going. Now, depending on where you go, if you're going to a public setting, like let's say a park or a festival, more than likely parks do have public restrooms available. They're not usually the cleanest, but they do have them available and you can always use those. And I would always recommend someone go with you if you're going to go into those because you never know what you're going to find inside those items. Porta potties, get out of your suit before you go into one yeah. of those. Yeah. No, I, you will get poop smear somewhere on your fursuit. Yeah. If you if, go into a porter potty. If you thought your fursuit was clean before you go into that thing, take a black light to it when you come out of it. I can guarantee that whole thing's going to light up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. Um another way to get hydrated before you go out to an event, it seems weird, but this is a really good way to have your body retain water a little bit better, chia seeds. So chia, yeah. se chia seeds, they're, they're very simple, but if you let chia seeds kind of soak in water overnight, they get like this globulous kind of like looking weird. They look like little bobas basically. Yeah. And what you do is you just kind of drink that. If you want to do like eight ounces of that, that's totally fine. And then you can just drink regular water throughout the day. That'll help your body retain water 
a lot better and kind of keep you hydrated longer so you can endure longer in your fursuit. Yeah. It's, it's a chia not, pudding. Yeah. It, it is basically going to be a lifesaver for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what to bring when you fursuit. Now, this is essentials for your fursuit in general. You always want to make sure that when you bring your fursuit, whether that's in a duffel bag, suitcase, whatever it is, you bring your fursuit brush because that thing is going to get mangled. Definitely. Yeah. Kids will be grabbing on you. Drunk adults might be grabbing on you. You just want to be be sure. <laughs> and I there, I always have a rule. Um, when it comes to fursuiting, sticky fingers, childs with, you know, kids that look like they might have something on their hands, stay away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's glitter on their hands. Stay away. <laughs> Do not <laughs> let those kids come near you. It's an arts and crafts <laughs> festival. Don't go. <laughs> okay. That kid looks like he's got something on his hands. You turn around and you run the other direction. They're going to think you're playing with them and you know, they're not, but just go. Okay. <laughs> But bring a fursuit brush with you. That's definitely going to be something you're going to need. Another thing that you may not think to bring with you, a sewing kit. This can be a very basic thing, but you could also bring something that has a little bit more stuff with it. Why would you need a sewing kit? So let's say you are at a park and you have a long tail and you step on your tail and walk forward. Or let's say a little kid is pulling on your tail and your belt loop on your tail breaks. Well, yeah. now you're tailless. You have a big hole in the back of your fursuit butt, and it looks yep. weird, especially if you're wearing a full suit. Parents might get the wrong idea, like, oh, that one's got a hole in its butt. I don't know about that guy. You know, you're going to want to bring your sewing kit to the side, make a quick fix to your fursuit tail, and put it back on. Or let's say you have a seam rip in, like, your armpit or one of those high-stress areas. And, again, it you, if you're uncomfortable with having to fursuit with a hole in your suit... Wherever it may be, you just have to go over to the side and do a quick fix, even if it's a a temporary fix where you'll go home and machine sew it later. Whatever it may be, you have that option, and it's super duper helpful. Other options that you can have in that kit, too, so you don't have to have like a little bag or anything. You could have it in your little duffel bag as well. It's not ideal, and I don't necessarily always recommend it, but it's definitely there if you're not comfortable with a sewing kit, um, duct tape, okay. safety pins. Okay. Safety pins is definitely a really good option. Fabric tape. If you can get some heavy duty kind, just to kind of temporary, keep it together. Um, sutures is another sutures. option. I'm just saying that's another option. It does work. It does I work. will say that duct tape probably doesn't work on faux fur because no. it's so fuzzy. It's not going to stick. But, but it, might work on the in, it might work on the inside though. Yeah. Maybe gonna, so. It might work on the inside, but if you have a resin head, especially if something cracks and you're like, Oh God, you know, like I don't want this to break further then definitely duct tape can help with that. I'll tell you what though, if you're not comfortable with sewing and you kind of just need something for the safety pin to hold on to, but you're not quite sure you can always duct tape the inside of the fur and then use the safety pin to kind of guide through whatever you need to the whole, and then that duct tape will hold on but it's it's really whatever you feel is just most comfortable for you at that moment mm-hmm. another thing you're going to definitely need is a water bottle oh god yeah now it could be just like your standard plastic water bottle that you get at the store or it could be 
you know, one of those giant ones that most people carry around these days, whatever form it is, at least have one or two of those on hand. Um, and if preferably get one of those that has one of those tall, skinny, bendable straws that can reach up into your muzzle so that you can drink because you don't necessarily want to ruin the magic when you're in front of a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And if, if it helps, you can also get those camel packs. Oh, I know yeah. I use those when I'm um, camping, but it could be helpful for first sitting too. It's basically this, this rubber bag that you put in a backpack with a straw and you can actually feed it under your fursuit neck and under your clothes. So that way you can drink water and people wouldn't even know it. Um, another thing that you probably wouldn't think to really put in your kit, painkillers. Okay. Painkillers and medications. Now, you know, your body well enough. If you know that you're on certain medications or you need you have those medications where it's like anxiety, but the pill only works when it sparks up. You need to have that with you. Whether you think you're going to need it or not, you need to have that in your bag because that's an emergency type of a situation. Mm-hmm. Medications are always something to have. Get all be like, who knows? It could be Tylenol. And then there, you got your painkillers, Tylenol, Advil, whatever. Make sure you have those as well. But medications are always key to have yeah, like on hand. Insulin, inhalers, whatever you think you may need. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing to keep in mind, too. If you have a like a medical disease, make sure you have a medical tag on you. I have seen some fursuiters make a medical yep. badge of their character holding the medical symbol, and it says whatever disease they have on there. Or make sure you're at least wearing one under your fursuit so that if you do pass out or something happens and they take your paws, they take your fursuit off, you have that identification on you. Or even better, your handler has that information. Yes. And we'll go over the handler information because that is very important in public settings. The handler is literally going to be your lifesaver. We'll go over that in the last big three option. Um, Another thing you're going to definitely want is a snack. Now, your snack is up to you, your preference. Personally, I would recommend something that's a little bit more useful for endurance. So Mm -hmm. possibly like a protein bar, uh, preferably one that's not going to melt in your bag. So things that kind of like, oh, I don't know. There's ones out there. I think this one like good to go or got to be. No, that got to be a hair product. (laughs) (laughs) This one called good to go. It's it's a local one, but it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, or Um, like Fig Newtons or something. Anything like that. You know, fruit roll, not fruit roll ups, but like um, fruit gummies. Fruit gummies, but what are they called? Fruit leathers. Fruit leathers are really good. Yeah, fruit leather is great. Fruit leathers are amazing. Things of that nature, those are always really good options. You always have fruit, nuts, uh, trail mix. Um, Those are always really good to have. Another thing that I didn't really mention, something that you could also use to prepare for before you go suiting, uh, depending on the weather as well, if it's going to be really hot, you can also purchase it a little, depending on your uh, budget, you can purchase ice packs that are t- perfectly tailored to your body. Oh, easy cool down. Yeah, easy cool down. There was, uh, I believe, Easy Wolf designed these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they come in collars and vests. Yep. And so you can ma- have these underneath your fursuit. Now, there are also uh, other versions that are probably cheaper. If you don't want to necessarily pay an arm and a leg for these, you can get those as well. 
Um, and you can have those available. You basically just freeze them and then you put them underneath your fursuit and then they keep you cool. Mm-hmm. And they don't have condensation either. So it doesn't make you feel wet when they do thaw out. Yeah. Now, the other thing is, is uh, when you fursuit in the super cold, you would think, oh, my fursuit is going to keep me warm. Not necessarily the case, because when you fursuit, you sweat. When you sweat, you get cold. So other ways to stay warm out in the cold is to wear thermals. So if you can bring a thermal or if you know you're going to be in like super, super cold weather, just wear like a thermal jumpsuit underneath your fursuit. If you're one of those like me who gets really cold. So um, the last thing you're going to want to um, have is a safe space to change when you're public suiting. Yeah. To change or to take your head off. Uh, get rest. your snack, rest, anything like that. Um, typically, like now, again, in park settings, depends on where you're going. So if you're going by yourself, your most best option is probably going to be your car. Most people either have like a tractor or like an SUV. So they pop the back at the end of that thing and then they just kind of do it there. If it's sitting in your car, whatever is most comfortable for you. If you're doing it in a fursuit or sorry, not a fursuit, for me, like setting, most people have already brought like one of those big party tent type of things and you can mm-hmm. go into one of those. That's That works. Sometimes they have canopies that are set up. That also helps. If you're going inside of like, let's say like a club or if it's going to be like a venue, then most likely there's going to be a room that's going to be set up. Know where that room is, know how to get to it, all that fun jazz and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's super important for if you don't want to break the magic or you feel like it might be unsafe to having that space is very good to have. Yes. Now in any case, it doesn't matter if it's super hot outside or if it's super cold outside. If you're experiencing an emergency where you need to get your suit off, I don't care what others think you take your head off and you get help. Yes, absolutely. I I don't care if people say it's, oh, but they're ruining the magic. It's your life that's on the line, not theirs. Okay, I don't care what their perception is. Your health comes first, not their opinion. Mm -hmm. Just know that. And just a good thing to keep in mind, if it's a medical experience and you're like, oh, I can make it to the the safe space or I can make it to the headless lounge – don't. No, you can't. No, you can't because your EM, the EMTs do not care about your five thousand dollar dog costume. No, they, they are required. They they cut it off. Yeah. If the zipper is not easy to find, or if it's tight or has a lot of padding, they're just going to take a knife and cut it off your body because that's what they're required to do. It has happened. So if you feel like you're experiencing a medical emergency, take your head off, unzip your fursuit, have it hang around your waist, anything like that. Uh, because they're not going to give a shit about your costume. They will rip it open. Uh, so <laughs> the, it is their your best job bet. save your life. Yeah. They will do whatever it needs to do to do that. Yes. So you are more important than your costume, but if you care enough about your costume and yourself, you'll take it off when necessary. And if you're first sitting properly, you're not going to be naked under there. You're going to be wearing under armor. You're not going to look weird. Like you're wearing just undies. So just take the suit off, put it on the ground next to you and sit down. You'll be okay. Going along with that too. 
When you're fursuiting, you need to set aside your ego and put your smarts into your brain. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you think that you can fursuit for hours without drinking water. Guess what? You cannot. Your body is going to break down very quickly and heat stroke is going to set in very, very, very quickly. And then you're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. So pay attention to that. Throw your ego aside and play smart when you're fursuiting. It's going to be fun, but be smart about it first. Yeah. I do have a story pertaining to, you know, taking your head off when it's necessary. I was at a charity event at an elementary school with two other friends. We were all fursuiting and basically acting as entertainment for the young kids in this. It was just a short outdoor festival to help raise money for the art program there. And there were these middle schoolers there, probably there with their young brothers and sisters, whatever, causing some trouble. And they came up to us and were harassing us and pulling our costumes and using profanity, being just pretty aggressive towards us. And we were trying to just, you know, put our hands up, walk away, just seeing if we could just, you know, be like, hey, man, don't mess with us. We're just here to volunteer. We weren't talking at the time, but giving obvious social cues like, hey don't mess with us. And we walked away, but they started following us and we ended up stopping. And my friend Jess took his head off and was like, Hey, we're not messing around with you. And if you don't leave us alone, we're going to go get your parents. And they ended up leaving us alone after that, but we had to take off our heads for them to, you know, realize that we weren't messing around. So sometimes you have to do that, whether it's a health emergency or if you're being harassed by somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just keep in mind all of those different things together, and then you'll have a good adventure. Yeah. The last thing that follows hate, health, hate, hate, <laughs> the last thing that follows health is safety. Mm-hmm. Let's go over safety. And these can go hand in hand, but they're they have their primary differences. Where health is about you taking care of yourself, safety is being mindful of your environment. Yep. One of the most important things to do when public fursuiting is having a handler who is prepared to not only take care of you, but to step in when needed. Yes. For example, when I just said we were being harassed, we didn't have a handler at the time, but we were in a larger group of people. So we felt like we would be okay. You know, there were other people there and we all had been seasoned fursuits at that point. But it would have been so much easier on us if we did have a handler. So we wouldn't have to take off our heads. The handler would step in and be like, hey, you need to get away from these costumes. Like To you're- our listeners, sorry, to our listeners that don't maybe know what a handler is, explain oh, yeah. that real quick. So a fursuit handler is a person who is not wearing a fursuit, who is there to keep an eye on things, to make sure... Um, that the area is safe and that the fursuiters are remaining safe. Typically, handlers are the ones who not only help you put your paws on and brush your suit out after you are wearing it, but they're the ones who remind you to drink water. They're the ones that carry the book bag with the supplies in it. Uh, They're the ones who make sure children aren't pulling your tail or to warn you when you're about to walk down some stairs. That is what a fursuit handler is. Typically, in my in most cases, and from what I've experienced, usually it's one handler for one suitor. Now, it's not going to be like that in all cases. So depending on how comfortable that handler is, it can be one handler for two or three suitors. 
just depends, like, again, on experience. But think of a handler as like a seeing eye dog for a blind person. It's a seeing eye human for the big dog. It literally is. It literally is legit like that because it's like tunnel vision in those like fursuit heads. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need the guidance of your handler to kind of help you figure out where you're going. They have everything there for you. So Mm -hmm. you have to have your handler and you got to know things too. So like with your handler, um, there are things you want to make sure that you set before you go suiting. You need to talk with your handler about certain things like hand gestures. Do you ever go with your handlers about hand gestures? Yeah, we've had hand gestures in the past. So you will go over with your handlers certain gestures you as a fursuiter will make when you need something. Yep. So you can have a gesture for water. You can have a gesture for break. Have one for emergency or for overheating. So you you will have those symbols so your handler will know when you need them. And every suitor will either have the similar symbols or they'll have them differently. So it's, you need to talk with each suitor to see what it is that they have individually and then pay attention. Now, while you are handling them, it is your job to make sure that they are okay. You are the watchdog for them. So while you're enjoying the meat itself and the adventure, it is also your job to be their bodyguard. So mm-hmm. make sure that they're doing okay. Pretty much the handler literally does a lot of crap mm-hmm. <laughs> for the fursuiter. But the handler is, is a key aspect of public suiting and suiting in general. Like there are some fursuits that are built in a way where you have to get help to put it on. Oh, you definitely do. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing about a handler is if you're new to the furry scene, if you're new to a fur meet, I think the best way to really kind of get out there and to get to know people is to be a handler or to watch a handler because then you kind of get to feel like you're being a part of something. My first for me, I was a handler and I, ever since then I become super active. So, and I loved it. And if I ever get a chance to be a handler again, which I'm usually a handler for my husband, husband, not husband, <laughs> husband, husband, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun, and I love it. It can be really fun. A lot of people really romanticize having a fursuit, but being a handler can be just as fun. Uh, you get to interact with all these different fursuiters. You get to be able to see these fursuits up close from a bunch of different makers. You get to take photos without being inhibited. Uh, and you get to breathe and not sweat as much, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, really, it's really, really nice. Um, the next thing that you need to know is knowing the general layout of the area that you're suiting in. Why is this important? So even if you've never been to a location before, it's good for you to go online and see if there is a map so that you can know where your safe space is, where the bathrooms are, where you might be able to refill water if you run out. Anything like that, and especially areas where you know to go if there's an emergency. If you're in a group, you might have a spot picked out if you get separated to meet back up. Or just knowing where to park, it could be as simple as that. But knowing the layout of what where you're suiting just helps so much, especially since fursuits have such limited vision. No matter how big a fursuit's eyes are or how well made your costume is, you're going to have a blind spot and you're not going to have perfect vision. So knowing the layout will help you immensely when you already feel like you're stumbling around blind. Yep. 
The last thing is having contact information with the venue you are attending. That's right. So if if it's a larger venue or a populated venue, having contact information to whoever you got permission from or to the front desk will help you if you have a problem. Let's say you are lost or somebody is having a medical problem and they need you know, water and you don't know where to refill water. Or if somebody is harassing your group for any reason, you will have that number on speed dial that you can call to get security to help you or to get any resources that you need. You don't really think about that. You think, you know, I'll have the venue's number when I get the permission. And then once I'm there, you know, it's just me and my friends having fun. Well, that is the main part of it is you and your friends having fun. You still should have the venue's contact information on hand just in case something goes wrong. Now, generally, if you're going to a Fermi, uh, generally the admins will be taking care of that particular thing. And you can yes. always alert the admins and the admins will take care of it. But that may not always be the case. So it's always just good to have that information on hand just in case there is an emergency of that matter. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, yeah, like you said, admins or handlers, those who are not inhibited by a costume will have all of those resources in case something happens. Yeah. But if you are so happen to be separated or or anything like that. Having it on your phone so you could take your head and hands off and just check it out, you'll have it. Yep. And following all of these simple different things of going on will guarantee you to have a good, enjoyable time fursuiting. Absolutely. Public suiting is a really rewarding experience. While it, it does is. feel like a lot more work, if you think about it, you go to a furry convention, you are not the only fursuit there. Like I said before, there's going to be plenty of other fursuits. So you might go the whole weekend without getting a single photo taken of you. Or it'll be a lot harder for you to grasp the attention of other people because there's so many other people there with costumes. You have a lot more. I hate to call it competition because that's not what it's about. But, you know, if if you're fursuiting for the purpose of interacting with others, then you might not get that as much at a furry convention as you would public fursuiting. If you're public fursuiting, you're automatically an anomaly. You are automatically the odd one out. People who are not furries are going to want to want pictures with you. They're going to want to know what's going on. Like, what is this thing? And it's going to be really enjoyable. And whether you like kids or not, you can get a lot of laughs out of them. And they can make you laugh, too, with the dumb crap they'll say (laughs) right to your face, you know. And It's a pretty fun experience. I really recommend people trying it at least once. Um, did you, I totally forgot to speak up when you were talking about ideal places to suit up, but, uh, did you mention zoos already? Yeah, I did mention zoos. Okay. I was going to say something real, real quick about zoos. If, if any of you guys decide to go for a suit at a zoo, some zoos will let you do it. Some zoos won't. By all means, 100% avoid the monkeys and apes area, please, because they get (laughs) pissed. They will literally go ape shit. (laughs) because they feel like you are uh, coming into their zone and they're no longer the dominant alpha and they will attack the window like they did when we went. (laughs) There's a bigger furry item here. (laughs) Yeah. And we kind of learned that and we're just like, oh, okay, we're not doing that again. So, (laughs) so, uh, you know, unless, you know, I just, just don't, just don't. But yeah, um, like all of our episodes, if you guys ever have any questions, if you guys want to suggest any topics or Or if you have public first inning stories, because those are always so fun. 
Absolutely. You can reach out to us on talktothemuzzle at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Telegram um, and on Twitter at From the Muzzle. And oddly enough, we are getting follows on our Facebook. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. So I'm starting to post there now. Hooray for that. There you go. We haven't used Facebook in a long time. I know. Facebook furries are a different breed. <laughs> that is true. I've kind of just migrated off of Facebook because I'm just like, forget that crap. But I guess people are going back to it. So, okay. You never oh, know. I mean, man. this world has seen a lot of things in the past year. So, until then, do you got anything else? I think that's it. Coolio. Well, then we'll see you guys on our next episode. Have a good one. See you next time. Bye.